Today on the 1012 Podcast, Mike Luke of PHNX Sports joins us to talk about Jed Fish leaving Arizona for Washington and the impact of that. Plus, Andy and JSJ are here to recap some of the biggest stories of Big 12 men's and women's basketball from the weekend, including Farmageddon for the Big 12 and Don't Feel Bad Houston fans. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. Find every show on the network at 1012network.com. And of course, we are partners with Sport Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. We've got a lot of hoops to get to obviously, and we will talk about those with Andy and Jamie coming up just in a few minutes. Uh, but we have to kick off, I think, the show with the biggest news from the weekend. That is, when Arizona officially becomes a member of the Big 12 on July 1st, Jed Fish is not going to be the head coach of the college football program, like we all expected, uh, which changes things drastically. I mean, we just did a way, way too early Big 12 contender interview with John Kurtz last week, and it's already out of date. Because without Jed Fish, I think we have to wait and see where things go before we have an opinion on Arizona. We got to talk about this for a little bit. We're not going to do this alone. Uh, luckily, we are very excited to have Mike Luke of PHNX Sports joining us today. Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, uh, pl- pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. I feel like this is the first of what will be multiple appearances moving forward when Arizona is officially part of the conference. And this is a great opportunity to get to know Arizona in a kind of crummy situation. Uh, so the the news was building on Sunday for a bit there. We were a little bit worried that Kansas was going to lose their head coach to the University right. of Washington. That's not what happened. Instead, Jed Fish, it's been official. Uh, he, the Washington has put out the tweet. Uh, we know that he has signed a seven-year deal for $7.75 million. That, of course, is uh, per uh, Pete Thamel. Um, he was first reported. Okay, Pete Thamel tweeted it out. The Athletic first reported the terms. It's really hard to keep track of who did things first. I'm going to try and give everybody the, their due credit here. Um, Mike, I, I just off the top here asked the question. I mean, was this a surprise to have this come? To see Jed Fish leave what was a returning top 15 program right. with, I believe, 18 of 22 starters expected to come back for next season. Is it a shock to see him leave for this Washington job? You know, it's not a shock, but it's definitely a surprise because anytime, I mean, Arizona just couldn't match the, uh, Arizona couldn't match the $55 million that he's going to be getting over seven years. I think the issue though, that I think is that he was telling people, especially around the program, I mean, up until yesterday that he was, uh, that he wasn't going anywhere, that he was going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be a wildcat, um, that, you know, he looked forward to a team that I probably, I mean, let's be honest, had top 10 potential next year. And he was very much looking forward to that. And honestly, I think everybody worried that it was going to be a year from now because Florida, Florida has always been the job that he's been linked with. Yeah, he's an alum. Um, and I think a lot of people thought after next year, he would go to Florida, but as an Arizona fan, you don't really care because again, you know, Arizona football isn't, it's not Alabama. So, you know, if you get two 10 win seasons going, it becomes a little bit more of an enticing spot. And I think everybody was totally okay with that. But I think the problem though, is that now with him leaving, um, you got to figure that he's going to take a lot of players with him. Um, and I, the players were shocked. Uh, you know, the player meeting with him, he lasted three minutes. He went in there and said, I'm taking the Washington job. Peace out. And, uh, that it didn't go over well. Um, you know, it didn't have, it wasn't the Kalen DeBoer type spot where he talked for 10 to 12 minutes with the guys. Um, he essentially went in and just said, peace out guys. Um, and I think that really, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, and then he, you know, he put a video out where he's essentially, uh, 
kind of flaunting the contract signing, you know, in his living room. It just, it was just how it happened. I think is really kind of what surprised people and uh, didn't really leave a good taste in a lot of people's mouth. That's for sure. Look, we understand this is a business. Uh, I think some people try and at least, especially in college, cover it up more. And this isn't a like NFL versus college thing. College coaches are just as slimy as any other coaches in some situations. I I do wonder if this is an NFL thing. I understand that he is a guy who has sold family and, and being part of a family to players. Everyone does that. Every coach sells their We've got our culture here. We've got our our family. Our That's brand. what it's going to be. Yeah. Our brand. But to uh, to kind of end it the way he did is a little bit of a like, yeah, bye. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I think was it Bobby Petrino that essentially just left the uh, when he left the Atlanta Falcons, just kind of left a note and said, "Yeah, I'm leaving, guys. Going back to college or vice versa. I can't even remember what happened exactly, but it's just it was very anticlimactic. And again, like again, I don't have any problem with uh, Washington's a better job than Arizona. It just is. They can pay more. You got more resources. You were just in the national title game. I mean, it is what it is. But I think what really kind of surprised a lot of people though was you know, just how flippant he was about it. I mean, this is a guy that, like you said, has sold culture, family, you know, building things up and to leave in the manner in which he did, I think really surprised. I mean, really surprised a lot of people that, you know, it kind of bought into what he was selling. Um, Again, I don't have a problem with him leaving. It was just more of how he left. And uh, you had a loaded roster for next season. I mean, uh, again, he's probably going to bring in, I'm sure he'll take players with him. But Arizona had more. Arizona was a better team on paper next year than Washington was. Um, And I think, you know, that's, uh, I think that kind of surprised some people, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, it's, his name's been linked to jobs throughout the year. And I, I don't think anyone was going to be shocked if he left, if they had a, a good season. Like we're, we're already talking about Arizona being one of the contenders for the Big 12 title next year, which means right. win the Big 12 title, you're going to the playoff. And so, like, this was a team that if he had another really good year at Arizona was going to see his name come up even more strongly. Um, it's just to, to leave a team that brings back as much as it did, that was, head, I know, heading into a new conference, but in a situation where, like, Arizona looked good enough to to win the Big 12. Or yeah. at least make it to Arlington in year one, which sounds yeah. crazy, but I mean, just the conference is going to be so different next year. It's you're gonna, it's gonna probably be a little weird, and so I mean, it's it is a little bit surprising from that standpoint of seeing somebody leave a team that they had built and built into a th- th- this is what you were building towards. Like next year feels like you were building towards, and then to abandon that, yeah, does feel a little bit a little bit surprising. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they were loaded across the board. You had a franchise quarterback. Um, you were returning probably the best wide receiver in all of college football. Uh, you had a defense that was going to return 10, 10 starters. Um, you had multiple NFL players across the board, guys that are going to be first-round picks. And um, I w- like I said, it was a loaded team. If you were looking at tiers in college football, if you have that very, you know, that very, very top tier where you got three or four teams – then you generally have about six, seven, eight teams that are kind of in that second tier. And they were squarely, Arizona was squarely in that second tier with certainly college football uh, playoff potential. And I think the possibility of winning a game or two, um, that's where, I mean, he, he left a, he's definitely leaving a loaded situation. That's for sure. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe it will stay loaded and this isn't yeah. a shot at any player. Of course. Once a head coach leads for a new job, the transfer portal, uh, immediately opens for that roster for a 30-day window. It happened at Alabama. It's happening at Washington. It'll now happen for Arizona. I mean, it, I feel bad for Arizona fans because you you just had this incredible season. You're excited about what's to come next year. And yeah. now your head coach is gone and, and players are going to leave too. And I never fault a player for leaving once their right. head coach and other coaches leave as well. Obviously, there's a good chance that, that Fish will take other coaches with him. We already saw Arizona lose their defensive coordinator, Johnny Nansen, to take a co-DC job at Texas, which was a little bit odd, right. and he took an analyst with him as well. And so, like, it, it does uh, – I'll, I'll, we're just going to leave this in. Even if he doesn't take players with him to Washington specifically, it does open up the opportunities for other uh, other schools to come in and try and lure players away again when it, yeah. it when it rains it pours and it does feel like we've gone from a very exciting off season for arizona fans to one that i mean could really let's just be honest suck yeah i mean there's no other there's no other way to put it it sucks um you know it uh 
Um, I am, and the thing about it, I am totally cool with the transfer portal. I think it's fantastic. Um, I think if a coach gets up and leaves, I think that, I, honestly, I believe a player should be able to leave every single year if they want to. Coaches can do the same thing. I'm totally cool with it. And But that's the nature of the beast. If you're, uh, you know, um, Arizona's probably going to get raided. Uh, I don't think that, you know, outside of maybe – bringing back, uh, you know, Johnny Nansen, who left for uh, the University of Texas job is like the co-DC. I don't know that you're going to find a uh, a coach that's going to be able to bring a, or if it's going to be able to keep a lot of those players. Um, and so, you know, Arizona could be in it for a very, very rough, uh, rough season next year. And it's inaugural, inaugural season in the uh, Big 12. And, you know, that's like I said, that's just kind of that's the way college football is at this point, though. Uh, you're going to get a lot of schools that are going to come calling because Arizona's got a lot of really good players. From your opinion, obviously, this this happened hours ago from the time that we started recording this. Um, the search is now underway. Uh, every good athletic director, athlete, gosh, I can't pronounce it. Every good athletic director uh, should have a, a, a list ready to go. Uh, from your opinion. Based off of Dave Hickey, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. Um, do you believe that they will go with try to make quick hire that will hold this roster together for a short term win? I think they're going to is Arizona is obviously never going to be a destination job per se. It's just, you know, it doesn't have the money, it doesn't have the gravitas, it doesn't have a little uh, talent fan base. But I think they'll probably try to do something that hopefully to keep that roster together. Maybe that brings back a Johnny Nansen from Texas, or maybe you promote a Brennan Carroll, Pete Carroll's son. Um, at the out from the offensive coordinator or, uh, position or uh, some outside the box names. You probably hear a Brent Brennan from, you know, San, uh, San Jose state uh, schools like that. Um, but uh, that's, those are kind of the names you're looking at, but I would imagine they're going to try to do something to keep the roster together, at least for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. But again, it's going to be difficult because um, you know, these kids can go. I mean, this isn't, you know, 1994 where essentially these kids are locked in. They can essentially go wherever they want, but I think they'll try to probably find somebody that can at least keep that roster together to a certain degree. Mike, I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, I This is obviously something we're going to be paying close attention to moving forward with Arizona joining the Big 12, becoming part of the conference. I, I as, a, as a Big 12 fan, I am sad that Arizona is not going to come in and, and be the team that we expected after uh, the Alamo Bowl, in which we watched them beat Oklahoma and make all uh, remaining Big 12 fans mm -hmm. very happy. Uh, you do a great job covering Arizona. Do me a favor for everybody else who wants to keep track of this, especially from somebody who's around the program and covers it regularly. Where can they check out your work? Uh, yeah, just uh, p uh, at Iron Mike Luke on Twitter or PHNX underscore Wildcats. Uh, that's the uh, that's the uh, main account. Um, that's where, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me though. And I will say this on behalf of Arizona fans, we're, we're excited. We're stoked to be going to the big 12. Um, the pac 12, I think kind of ran its course. You had a fan base that, uh, or a lot of fan bases that were generally weren't, weren't really into sports. I mean, you could just kind of tell that by the, uh, by, you know, the fan participation in games and st super stoked to be in the big 12 and very much looking forward to getting into that basketball conference as well. We're excited to have you. I mean, Arizona basketball looks like a perfect fit for the Big 12, just to make it even more difficult and a more uh, fun gauntlet than it already is. Uh, appreciate it, Mike. Look forward to having you back on again soon, yeah. man. One thing that doesn't suck, Charlie Hustle, sponsor here of the 1012 Podcast and 1012 Network. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle, a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season, Specifically this basketball season. Let's talk about basketball season. Not only did they have a bunch of basketball-specific apparel launches this past week, including for Kansas, Kansas State, and Houston, they bought dropped a basketball-specific hoodie that is available for just about every Big 12 team. And they're pretty dang cool. The Baylor one looks good with the Sailor Bear. The... Kansas State one is in lavender. Like, these basketball hoodies they just dropped are so good. You need to go to charliehustle.com, and you need to see these. The Houston one, I, if I understand correctly, the Houston hoodie that came out with the Saturday drop, like, sold out like that in a couple of sizes, sold out so fast because the Houston lineup that they just put out is really, really good. So, go to charliehustle.com. 
Check out all the basketball-specific Big 12 gear. They've got every current school minus Cincinnati. They've also got Colorado. Use the promo code 101215, T-E-N 1215. Jamie just made a face because she uh, she just saw the basketball hoodies. She's very excited. Yes, she is. Uh, 101215 for 15% off all non-sale items. That includes the new basketball hoodies that just dropped. You need to go and check them out. I'll have the link to charliehustle.com in the show notes as always. But you can just go to charliehustle.com right now. They're not hard to find. Jamie found them while I was doing this ad read, so it ain't going to take you more than a second. In fact, they're all right there. They're right there when you first get there. There's the Kansas one, the Kansas State. The not a Big 12 team is also on, on the front page. But like, just see more, and you're going to see. <laughs> look, there's Iowa State. That one looks good. The Baylor one looks great. UCF's got one. Wait, some of that Kansas Kansas has one of the best T-shirts I know. The, the level up one is oh, bro, awesome. That's, that's unreal. That is so good. Oh, the 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 five slamma jamma shirt that they put over Houston is so good. The Houston Cougar basketball stars hoodie. That's the one I think that like sold out in no time. And that is a oh, it's a good hoodie. That is a damn good hoodie. Earmuffs kids. The Kansas collection they put up for basketball. So good. The level up one, I I, I I don't need any more Kansas shirts. My wife's like, you don't need sh- more clothes for schools you are not that are not Oklahoma State. But the level one up one is so good. It's so good. I know. The basketball-specific stuff they really just dropped. Oh. I love the Slam at the Bram shirt they put out for Kansas State. Yeah, I was just looking at that. The Here Come the Cats long-sleeve tee. Y'all, just go to charliehustle.com. You'll see for yourself. You're going to want to buy. Don't forget 10, 12, 15 for 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh and fresh is right. All right. It's time for a little hoops talk. Big 12 just wrapped up another Saturday, another week, men's and women's side. We're going to start on the women's side because Jamie, I know it's just, she is, she is itching. She is scratching. She is ready to talk about the fact that Iowa State and Kansas State are the lone 5-0 teams in the women's side. Oh, We'll, we'll get to Farmageddon in a second. But this is an Iowa State <laughs> squad that look had a, had a little bit of a tough start to the season. I think that's fair to say. And there was a little bit of like, okay, well, they're young. You know, they've got some growing to do. We'll see what they do as the season progresses. And now they're sitting here at 5-0. Just beat number four Baylor. Handed them their second Big 12 loss already. I mean, at this point, this it feels like these girls grew up really fast, Jamie. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly accurate. Uh it's it's wild, you know. You you come into a season where like you said, you've got a very unproven roster, you've got a bunch of freshmen playing big minutes, you've got a couple transfers playing big minutes and then you've got a couple of returners um, and, and the returner that is supposed to kind of have the keys in her hand ends up out for most of the non-conference. And so uh, that, that definitely uh, was tough, but at the same time, you did see a lot of development really quickly. And I, I mean, I had been saying for over a year since this recruiting class was signed that yes, all five of them were going to play. And that was before you had people transfer out. And so, you know, that was, that was always going to be the case. But uh, then it became crucial. Like there wasn't an option not to play all five of them. And fortunately, they were up to the task. Uh, they're a really tight group. They are uh, a really well-balanced group. It's it's cool. There is a one through five in there uh, among the freshmen. We throw out a five freshman lineup and it's really not like all that notable. Uh, it's just kind of another lineup. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's been really fun. You, you definitely saw some of that during the non-conference and even in some of the losses where they showed flashes of, okay, this is what they can do. This is what they could be capable of. But the assumption was that it would take a while to get there. Uh, and it would take a while before they were really able to put it together in any kind of cohesive way. And so there's still going to be freshman moments. Like there's probably still going to be some, some tough losses, especially all five of their first, uh, or all five of these, uh, conference wins have been really tight, uh, mostly come from behind, um, which, you know, is great that you did it and you get the win. 
but being in those tight games, eventually you assume that something's going to catch up to you, especially with the youth. But uh, it hasn't yet. So they've put themselves in a heck of a position. This was potentially their toughest week of the season uh, with both West Virginia and Baylor. Uh, and and so to get both of them is huge. And then there's going to be another really tough week. Obviously, every week's going to be tough, but next week specifically for Iowa State is going to be uh, massive because you've got a pair of, of road games um, for the first time in a week. But I, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super impressed. Uh, Saturday was my mom's birthday, so uh, a top five win to stay undefeated, to stay atop the conference is... Uh, a really good birthday present. Uh, they're just a very fun team. If you haven't watched them, I highly recommend giving them a look because they are truly just, they're they are an incredible group. They play really hard. They have a great attitude. They're about as easy to root for as, as anyone you'll find. Your top two leading scorers are freshmen. Your top two leading rebounders are freshmen. Your assist leader is a freshman. That is incredible. Throw in, you said tough weeks. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got to you've got to circle the week in mid February, the fourteenth and seventeenth, mm-hmm. when you host Kansas State in the middle of the week, and then travel to Texas uh, on a on a Saturday. That being the only matchup with Texas this season, this is going to be uh, it's a big one. We got a while before we get there. Plenty of uh of hurdles and and bumps along the way. You've got to go to West Virginia. You've got to go to Kansas. Uh, you've got. TCU at home. We'll see how, uh, how I doubt Prince is back by that, but let's talk about Kansas state as well. The other five and O team, 17 and one overall, I believe it's an 11 game win streak. Yeah. Kansas state handing Texas their second big 12 loss on Saturday, beating them 61 to 58 in a, in a come from behind win as well. And was a very exciting into that game. Look, Texas has two losses. Baylor has two losses. There are a lot of games still to play on this season, hands down. Uh, Kansas State will have to play Texas again. They'll have to go on the road and play them. They've got a road game at Baylor coming up towards the end of the month. They've got to play uh, Iowa State twice. They've got West Virginia as well. Plenty of games are going to be lost for teams along this way. But two teams atop the standings at 5-0. and The other two teams people kind of thought would be the the leading contenders with two losses already through five conference games. I know we have a long ways to go, but it's hard not to look at this and say Farmageddon for the big 12. I they're they're in the driver's seat right now. Um, that's, that's indisputable when you're undefeated. Um, and especially when it's, it's not just a couple games in uh, you're, you're five games in, you have played against tough competition uh, and you've won all of the games, but you're also seeing some teams kind of figure things out. Uh, you saw Kansas this past week finally played the kind of basketball that I've been waiting to see from them all year, uh, which is which is super, super exciting. They were the one to give Baylor their first loss in conference, and then they had come from behind victory against Oklahoma State, who's a really solid team. So uh, they're, they're definitely going to be one who is also in a decent position to try to chip away at teams like Kansas State, they haven't played them yet, and they're going to play twice, and they're always going to get up for those games. Uh, so that's going to be really big. But there, there certainly is that possibility, especially considering that uh, the timing of those matchups does line up for it to be really decisive in conference play, with both of them being not just in February, but being in late February for whatever reason. You know that you you you're not going to see them for a couple weeks yet, and then you play twice in two weeks. Iowa State and Kansas State play on February fourteenth, February twenty eighth. So those are those are going to be really big for a lot of reasons. Hopefully, you know, as as an Iowa State fan, hopefully that those are still uh, hugely consequential games for both teams. Uh, and not just one, but yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that those are two of the most balanced teams. I've been talking about that a lot when I talk big 12 is there's a lot of teams with a lot of talent, but some of those teams are lacking something very specific. And that might be depth 
that might be post play, that might be guard play. Uh, and and for Iowa State, they have depth. They play nine people consistently. Uh, they do have guards, whether they're young, whether they're somewhat limited, like Emily Ryan still is. And boy, do they sure have uh, a couple posts. I mean, Audie Crooks is the best freshman post in the country. That's not close. Um, and she's up there as far as posts, period. So it's uh, that's great. And then you've got K-State, who has another of the best post players of the country, who very well may be the best. Uh, in Aoka Lee, you've got some depth that's really figuring it out on the bench, especially Ziana Walker was terrific this week. Uh, and then you've got that experience. You've got defense. So it'll it'll definitely be interesting. Um, and, and both have some things that could be exploited a little bit. The consistency on the perimeter for K-State can be shaky a little bit at times. And Iowa State, again, the youth. At, at some point, you have to assume it comes back to bite you. But it hasn't yet. Yeah, I mean, and, and you look, I mean, there's a reason that Baylor and Texas were expected to be the winners of the, or, you know, up at the top of the conference this year. And and I talked about it last week that Kansas State was one of those teams that felt to me like the, you know, if, if you have to pick three favorites coming in the year there, they felt like that third one. Obviously, Iowa State has, I think, surprised a lot of people, not necessarily with the ability that they have, but how well everything has come together as quickly as it has. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how those two, I mean, but to your point, Jamie, about teams that are you know, getting stuff together. I mean, yeah, you talked about Kansas kind of pulling things together and we saw, you know, what Tyana Jackson was able to do against Baylor. I do think that specifically the Jayhawks do have a, a post depth issue, um, you know, but that, that's probably about it for them. So they mm-hmm. could potentially make a run. They have uh, both Texas and Kansas state on the road coming up this week. So it's going to be a week that we find out what Kansas is made of and if they're going to be able to be competitive Um you know, but I mean, yeah, it's hard to see where, with the exception of, of, you know, up in Ames, it's hard to look at the Kansas State schedule with the way that they played and say, I, you know, I know, or I think they're probably going to take a loss there. Like, you know, that they're going to have multiple losses before the end of the year, just because of the way that this conference is and how difficult it is. Um, You know, I, I believe that the Iowa State will as well, but it's hard to find out where those are going to be from mm-hmm. because of the way all the things, you know, everything matches up. And, and I, th- I think this big 12, much more than years past is do you have the one thing that your opponent can't handle? And if so, you're going to surprise teams. I think that's going to happen quite a bit. We're going to see upsets that when you go back and look at them, it's going to be, Oh yeah, that team has is missing that one piece. And this other team is absolutely perfectly, you know, set up to take advantage of that and really push that issue. So I wouldn't be shocked to see like a, a Texas, you know, loss out of nowhere, a Baylor loss out of nowhere. Um, you know, like, those teams that everyone expects to be really good going through the rest of the year. And even, you know, as we go and kind of establish what the, the, the hierarchy and the tiers are, I'm not really sure where they're going to come. I just know that we're going to have plenty of times. We're going to look back and be like, Hey, what's going on? You know, a big 12 blood week is going to be coming at some point. I just don't know when it's going to be. It, it, it's always coming. It will happen at some point to everyone. Uh, as of the, as of, it's a recording Sunday night. Kansas State is up to number seven in the net. Uh, Iowa State up to number thirty-nine. I would like to see a bracketology that doesn't that actually gives the Big Twelve some credit. Uh, the last one that came out uh, from Charlie Cream on the twelfth. The top three Big Twelve teams were all three seeds. Nobody on the one or two line. <sighs> the Big Twelve just the the disservice the disrespect continues uh jamie another big takeaway from saturday or at this point in the season on the women's side another big takeaway or do i have do another? you have another takeaway do i have yes another? i when i send the I when thought, i send the I show I notes waiting i put something. number three says like jamie oh yeah yeah insert okay. jamie here i got you <laughs> i got you yeah no i mean it's it's really interesting. There's there's been a lot of really interesting games. Uh, it, it's been really exciting to see some of those uh, matchups that you looked at and kind of think, all right, maybe maybe one could be able to take advantage of this. Like Andy was saying, uh, what someone else doesn't have. Uh, that that's been really exciting to see that pan out. Um, but there's also that aspect of okay what are we not seeing or what have we not seen? Like for instance, 
TCU uh, losing Sedona Prince is absolutely huge. Uh, if she comes back, which she she has said she plans to, um, since she went ahead and you know post pictures of her her X-rays and with her surgeon and everything, so uh, a lot of transparency there. Not something you're used to seeing, especially in the women's game. Much they kind of keep that under wraps, but she's out there. Uh, if she comes back, that's someone who they're more than likely going to be out of contention for the Big 12 championship, at least regular season, but they can really wreak some havoc. Uh, that is assuming that Jaden Owens is coming back sooner rather than later and going to be playing uh, pretty much immediately because she only played seven minutes this weekend. And if they are down both Sedona Prince and Jaden Owens, things are probably going to get pretty hairy pretty fast. But beyond that, there's especially that middle tier in the Big 12 right now is, uh, you want to talk about a bloodbath, like, I mean, completely beaten up on each other. Uh, there's a lot of very solid teams that are going to be sitting in that middle range that are going to be fighting for a spot in the postseason, especially with the way that the Big 12 is perceived uh, for better or worse, that is just kind of the situation we're sitting in right now. I said preseason that I would lean towards seven teams going to the postseason. I don't know that that is what I would lean towards anymore just because of the amount of parity. The fact that people are beating up on each other, I think it's probably going to knock people out rather than bring people up. But your Oklahomas, your West Virginias, your Oklahoma States, your Kansas, your Texas Tech uh, the ones that you would think are a little bit less likely to make a really strong push, Oklahoma being the outlier because they do only have the one loss, but they don't have the big post presence, which is where people are really struggling against Iowa State, against Kansas State, things like that. Uh, they, they're they going well, If you look to... at Oklahoma specifically, like, you know, they have four wins in the conference, but you look at who they've played. Um, you know, it's other teams that are struggling yeah. in the conference. And so the, the question is, is Oklahoma getting things turned around? Are they, you know, are they making a push here and potentially going to improve um, their positioning? Or did they just get a really nice, easy schedule? I mean, you have, you know, the game against UCF to start it. Then you went to BYU, who is, uh, you know, struggling as well in the conference. And then Cincinnati going on the road then to get blasted by Kansas State and then, Beating Texas Tech very handily. Texas Tech, I think, is the other team that already has some some decent wins. But the question is, are they going to be able to continue to pile those up? Or had, did they just kind of benefit from, you know, the way that the schedule started pretty quickly to give them a couple good wins? And a non-conference yeah. that yeah. was... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. A little a little um, Suspect. advantageous. Suspect? Maybe? I mean, I, on your OU point, I mean, at this point, they are... The four teams they've beaten... Are a combined what is that two and eight plus five oh, math God uh, let's do two and thirteen plus four and sixteen in conference play so be interesting for them they've got two and three Houston and then they've got uh ooh, they've got a three game stretch coming up starting Saturday of at Texas home for Kansas and home for Kansas State so I think we'll know for sure whether Oklahoma has actually started to turn things around by the end of the month. Um, on your note of seven teams making the tournament, the most recent bracketology had six teams from the Big 12, one of them being TCU, who at this point um, I don't think is probably – it was likely to happen given the the injuries to that program. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, we we might just be looking at a six-big Big 12. Now, if, if, if Kansas State can get the credit it deserves, I think, uh, if Texas and Baylor can do well enough, we should have, while a smaller uh, number – some teams that are hosting at least in the first round, if if not, uh, which would be good for them. So uh, definitely something to keep on for the women's side. I mean, we, I, it, it's interesting. It just is. I, don't know. I, I think this is, while the depth isn't there in the conference this year, the title race, I just like, I'm not going to count Texas and Baylor out of it completely. And so it's going to, I just feel like things are going to be interesting heading into that, that final couple of weeks of the regular season, just to see. No, the, the title race, both the regular season and the tournament are going to be fascinating just because of like Eddie was saying, it's very matchup dependent. There's even among the more quote unquote complete teams, as I've been talking about, 
there's still going to be something that you could kind of pick at and say, okay, well, this is where you might be able to kind of get them. So it'll be, it'll be intriguing to say the least. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited. Obviously I have a specific rooting interest that I'm, I'm hoping is able to maintain the fact that they're one of the hottest teams in the country right now, knock on wood, but uh, it's definitely a, a fun time to be watching a lot of big 12. Let's switch over to the men's side. Um, let's start with with Houston. And I'm this is not the like, ha ha, we told you this is what happens when you come to the Big 12. Like, I'm not here to rag on Houston. The Big 12 is really, really, really difficult place to win. Uh, the fact that they're one and two to start conference play may be a little bit surprising, I think, uh, when you losing back-to-back games, but they're back-to-back road games. Um Houston having to go back-to-back road games to Iowa State, of all places, to open Big 12 play and then have to travel down to TCU for a one-point loss. Uh, If you haven't seen the photo, somebody punched a hole in the wall on the way to the locker room after that game. I can't imagine it was a TCU player. I mean, it is, and it has been a little bit tough. And I think where where Houston has struggled the most so far is on offense. Look, it's still an incredible offense at Houston. Uh, But they've dropped down now to offensively to, where'd it go? There it is. Um, offensive rating has dropped to uh, 118. Um, that's the 94th percentile. Last time we chatted last week, I think they were in the 90, like seventh. So the offense has been the thing that hasn't been able to deliver as well on the road. 53 points at, at Iowa state, 67 at TCU. This is a team that in for the three, four games prior was all like 70 games or above 70 points or above. So offense is struggling and that's, it's hard to win on the road in the Big 12, but for Houston, Andy, I mean, this still just feels like a little bit of a welcome to Houston, welcome to the Big 12. Like it's it's a lot harder than going 46 and 6 in in regular season league play in over a 3-year period in the AAC. Like it's a lot harder when you're having to go back-to-back road games to Ames and then down to a a sneaky good TCU, a TCU team who is maybe turning some things around. So I want to make sure again to give Houston the credit for like, you've had a one point loss at a TCU program who has now beaten Oklahoma and Houston in back-to-back games at home. So it's not like it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, this is a, sure. There's a bunch of people that are, you know, I, I should say Houston fans are upset that so many big 12 fans are talking about, you know, the whole welcome to the big 12 thing um, as if they didn't know what they were getting into, but you know, this is not, none of these are bad losses, right? No. They're just their losses, you know? And, and, and I definitely think that there was, you know, a legitimate point to be made about the way that Houston's non-conference schedule kind of came together, but it's not like they came into the Big 12 and are getting blown out at all. Like, they they lost two very tough road games against two very good teams that are good at home. Iowa State's good at home, and TCU's been very good at home the last few years, so um, there's nothing really to be ashamed of. There's nothing to really be too worried about. It's just, it's kind of unfortunate the way that the schedule shaped up for them to try to be able to, you know, get out of the first beginning of the of the uh, Big 12 conference schedule without losses. And so, you know, I do think that there's plenty of people that are looking for reasons to pick at Houston, but uh, I I mean, I still think they're going to be one of the top two or three teams in the league. It's just a question of, you know, how long does it take for them to get used to this night in night out, just absolutely ridiculous, um, you know, uh, environments that they have to go into when they're on the road. But I'm very interested to see how their environment as well is going to translate for other Big 12 teams. Because, I, you know, I think that they're a little bit underrated in terms of what people think of when they think of Houston's home environment because they've been in the AAC. So I will be very, very interested to see how, you know, Kansas does when they go down there, which doesn't happen until the end of the year. Um, but I'll be looking forward to all of the other, you know, teams that are that are going to have to head down there and see how they actually handle playing down in Houston. Their next four games, I think are going to offer them an opportunity to kind of rebound. You get Texas Tech at home, UCF at home, a road game at BYU, who we've seen struggle because of how much they rely on the three-point shot, and then home again for Kansas State. Um, like I, I, If you told me Houston ripped off four straight wins, and it's not a shot at Texas Tech or Kansas State, like I just like if you told me Houston ripped off four straight wins and everyone went, okay, and Houston started flexing, all the fans are like, see, we're fine. Like, we get it. Like, you lost two games on the road by a combined – five points like no one's dogging you we're just saying like this is this is what happens in the big 12 so uh, i'll be very interested to keep an eye on houston moving forward speaking of road games hey guess what it's really hard to win on the road in the big 12 
Uh, I mean, again, Houston losing back-to-back road games at Iowa State and TCU, right? Um, it's just, it is a, God, it's hard to win on their, Houston and Oklahoma going on their to TCU this week and, and dropping games to TCU, who's looking really good and should be ranked on, should be, should be ranked on Monday. That is a better be ranked on Monday. Okay. Y'all Kansas, like Kansas had to go on the road to UCF and got, uh, what the heck just happened loss. And that's weird to say that because UCF's one of the newbies, right? Like it is so hard to win on the big 12 and to now have a situation where Kansas is going on the road to one of the new schools in UCF and dropping a game. And this isn't one of those like middle of conference play, Kansas loses three in a row. It just happens all the time situations. Like even UCF packed that place out, stormed the court, made sure that they had what felt like a big 12 environment in Orlando for a men's basketball game. The winning on the road in the Big 12 remains just ridiculously difficult. Well, and I can tell you right now, that's not going to be the last time that UCF upsets a high-ranked opponent at home because that defense is a lot better, I think, than most people expected. You know, they have a a top 25 defense when when you look over at Ken Palm. And it's not, you know, it's not a, uh, like, there, there was question about whether it was just all built up based off of who they played in, in the non-conference. Um no, it's it's a legitimate defense. It causes problems. You know, there are going to be, I think, a lot of teams that are going to have an issue with UCF. The question for UCF is always, are they going to be able to make enough shots to keep up with some of the best offenses in the Big Twelve? And, um, you know, I mean, they they almost did against BYU as well in that in that second game on Saturday. So, um, yeah, it was a little strange. I mean, uh, you know, UCF being the only home team though to lose in. Uh, in Big 12 play this weekend for the men is very, very, uh, or it tells you everything I think you need to know about how hard it's going to be to go on the road and win this year. Um, you know, I mean, Oklahoma going on the road, losing to Kansas, Texas going on the road, losing to West Virginia, BYU needed, you know, needed some, uh, some very interesting uh, mistakes from UCF at the end of the, of the game, which, you know, again, it's going to happen against a team like BYU that, that can uh, cause that kind of pressure. I just, we've got a lot of really good men's teams that are going to hold serve at home quite a bit. Um, It's why coming into the year, I told myself and I, you know, I said over on the Rock Chalk Pod that I would not be shocked if the winner of the conference this year has five or six losses. And if that's like even maybe too low, like there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to get really big wins this year. Uh, To your point, CBB Analytics, we love being partnered with them. Uh, UCF's defense has a 92.3 92.3 defensive rating that puts them in the 99th percentile in the country. Literally like the hundred percentile is the best. It's one of the best defensive ratings uh, in the big 12. I believe it's fourth behind Houston, Iowa state and BYU. Surprisingly um, offensive rating, however, uh, 49th percentile, not, not good, not good at all. Uh, UCF's going to pull off some wins at home. They're going to pull off some upsets. They're going to do it. It's just, it's so hard to win on the road. As for the rest of the conference, um, congrats to West Virginia. That was a nice win. It's a nice bright spot in what is an otherwise absolutely god-awful season for them. This, like, I'm not going to sit here and rag on West Virginia because this does feel like a throwaway year. Interim head coach, because your head coach got fired for doing more dumb Bob Huggins things and the roster is what it is. This does feel like a throwaway season for West Virginia. They'll go into the off season. They'll find themselves a new coach and they'll reboot outside of that. UCF's defense is enough to make them spicy. Uh, Cincinnati, I think has been fairly interesting. Andy, what's the team so far for you that you look at and go like, I don't think they're gonna make the postseason. And they're going to finish with a losing record. But they're a little bit better this year, maybe, than I than I thought they'd be now that we're in conference play. Um, You know, that's kind of hard because I think the team that I expected, well, I think UCF's the easy one, right? Like, I think they're a little bit better, but we've kind of already talked about them. If I'm looking for another team, it's hard to find one because, like, I think Texas Tech has very much performed or out, outperformed expectations. Um, but... I also don't know that uh, how much of that is schedule related, how much of that is, you know, and, and yeah, the, them winning against Kansas state this weekend um, is going to just absolutely 
I, I saw some some reactions from Kansas State fans that that are completely understandable given the way that that game ended. Um, I do wonder if if Kansas State is going to have a little bit of a tailspin here. Of course, tailspin being relative, you know, rest of the country it would probably be okay, but in the in the Big Twelve, it's really easy to go into a tailspin pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> I, I think the the other team that jumps out to me though that I think has been better than I thought they were going to be but I don't know why I thought they weren't going to be that good would be Cincinnati. Um, like I think even though they are one and two in the conference, they have some very, um, you know, I think impressive performances the way that they went on the road and beat BYU. Um, you know, I'm, I was, I was, I thought that was a really good effort from them this weekend as well. So I, I just, I think that Cincinnati is going to end up being better. The question is how difficult, um, is it going to be for them to actually get the wins to to jump up into the top half of the conference? Like, I think they could easily, the way that they're trending right now, be a team that finishes four or five games under 500 in the conference and yet still look like a good team. Now, I, I think Cincinnati's the, the call here. Um, pulling up CBB Analytics, they're seventh in the net rating. That's higher than Texas Tech, Texas, and Kansas. They've got an 88 percentile, a 115 offensive rating, a 95.3 defensive rating, which is 96 percentile. Like Cincinnati's been pretty good. You you look at the last two weeks. Like I understand that we've 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 made the point with Texas. Like they're they're not great. They're fine. They're middle of the pack. You you lost to Texas by one. That team was ranked. You went on the road to Baylor on Saturday and lost by three. Like you gave Baylor a game. Cincinnati does feel like the team where it's like, man, they're going to, they're going to have some close calls and they're not going to have the wins to get them the postseason. But I, they are a tougher out than I think we thought they would be coming into the season, which just made the big 12 that much harder. As for Texas tech, three and in conference play. It wins over Texas, Oklahoma state and Kansas state. Um, you've got a three game stretch coming up, which I think are going to tell us if this three Oh start is for real. You've got to go to Houston, you get BYU in town, then you go to Oklahoma and go to TCU. So let's make that four-game stretch of three road games, one home at Houston, home for BYU, at Oklahoma, and at TCU. I think this is a a two-week stretch, which will really start to tell us if Texas Tech is for real or if it was just the way the conference play started. And uh, we can call it a you got got the home win over Kansas State, and it's hard to beat teams – on the road. So we'll see for Texas tech. I just, I think Baylor's really good. I think Kansas is good outside of that. Like I, I think Houston's good. Tough starts conference play. I think BYU lives and dies by the three for big, big BYU fans complaining about free throws for BYU. I'm going to, I'm going to show you. I got a graphic here from CBB analytics that does three point rate attempt compared to free throw rate attempt. You'll be shocked to know that the team who shoots the most threes shoots the most, the fewest free throws and pretty much vice versa. I know this could be a shocking thing for BYU fans to see. This graphic is uh, hilarious to me. I cannot wait to post it on Twitter on Monday. That being at 1012 network TE in the number 12, the word network. Uh, that is where you can find us there. You can find our good friends, Andy and Jamie. In similar locales, Andy is at AndyMitz12 on Twitter. Jamie is at J-S-T-E-Y-Z on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube, so on and so forth. Uh, before we wrap this show up, because we're a little we're a little under, which is weird for us. I like this whole like pre-planning topics format. It keeps us a little bit more in line. I could change that real fast. I would say it's also kind of weird that we're a little under just given all of the, the weird technical difficulties we've had, but... Yeah. I was going to edit those out, but I guess I'll leave a few in just so everyone understands what the heck Andy's talking oh, about. Oh, thanks. I, I, I was going to use some it. Sorry. editing wizardry. You very specifically said during them that, well, we're just going to leave this in. But that was before it really, like, really hit the it fan. Got bad. It got real bad. It got real, real bad. Andy, any final thoughts from the weekend on the inside? Um, I mean, I just, I think that, uh, you know, we saw just how difficult it's going to be. Oklahoma and Kansas, the way that they played, you know, in, in Allen Fieldhouse. Um, oh yeah! You know, Hold I, on, we forgot to make the note. I was to say the important. Yeah, I, note. I was surprised we didn't talk so, about it, but I think so we just kind note. of assumed. Oklahoma, what? as a member of the Big Twelve Conference, has the men's basketball team has never won a game in Allen Fieldhouse, and they never will as they lead head to the SEC next season and will finish their Big Twelve tenure with an 
zero in the win column on the road in Lawrence. Y'all can't see me waving because podcast is an audio. No, format. wait, wait. They have, they have one. It's been, but it was like 93 was the last time that they did. It's been over 30 years. Didn't the big Unless 12 they didn't conference play it in Allen Field start in 96. Oh, 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 sorry. As a member of the big 12 conference. Okay. That's, that's, sorry. I thought you meant that. Okay. I, I missed that little big bit. 12, Oklahoma yeah. men's basketball as a member of the Big 12 Conference, has Big never 12. won a game Not in Allen Fieldhouse. Yes, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a very interesting tidbit there. Um, the other one that I like to, to talk about there is that uh, Bill Self has 17 losses in Allen Fieldhouse in his time at Kansas. Oklahoma has 17 losses in Allen Fieldhouse in, in that same time period. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that kind of tells you wow just uh how ridiculous you know what it's just as it's just as funny as the uh the stat for the longest time when when baylor was coming up that you know uh scott drew had more losses in allen Fieldhouse. i'm sorry uh yeah scott drew had more out losses in allen Fieldhouse than uh than kansas had or bill self at that time had uh big 12 titles so and he had a lot at that point so there's some really weird random statistics that are extremely impressive when you look at records in Allen Fieldhouse under Bill Self just because of, you know, how often that they win there. And um yeah, I mean, I think that this this game this weekend was a perfect example of, you know, just how how everything can turn really quickly in the Big 12 because you had tons of people that were worried about, you know, Kansas after UCF, which again, because of their defense, I think and probably not taking them quite as seriously as they needed to. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not quite as surprising now, I think after you've seen them follow that up, but yeah, Kansas, uh, being able to turn it on and being able to rely on the big four that they have KJ Adams, just the way he's, you know, the energy that he brings, um, it's going to make it very difficult. I think for teams, you know, to, to really, I guess, stop what Kansas is trying to do. They're not the only ones in the conference that does that. Like you've got Baylor that can do that at times. You've got he's let's like Kansas looked really good this week or this this weekend, but it's going to, you know, it's not gonna continue. Um, I think across the entire schedule, just because there's so many other teams that are like that that are gonna have a game that's gonna be just absolutely phenomenal and make you think that they're the best team in the conference by far. Look, I, I said it on Twitter. I will wrap this up for Houston. Cincinnati, BYU, and UCF. You're not officially a Big 12 member until you lose on the road as an unranked team to or as a ranked team to an unranked team. Uh, you get cheated by the refs in Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, you beat Kansas at, or you upset Kansas while you're at home, and Fran Fraschilla calls a game from your arena. So some of you have already started to check off some of those boxes. Congratulations. And 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 as I noted in a response to that, someone asked, you know, it's like, do you have to have all of them? No. No, no, it's not all of them. They will all it happen is. to you. Each, each one you get makes you more of a Big Twelve team than before. Right. It's 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 like the pitcher has to get filled up, but it's it, but you've officially become member, so it's cool. Much like that Charlie Hustle shirt for the Jayhawks, you level up every time one happens. Level up, <laughs> level up, level up. Charlie Hustle, go shop charliehustle.com. 10, 12, 15, 15 percent off. Y'all been great. Uh, we'll be back midweek. What are we gonna do? Uh, and I'm not even doing this as the bit. Like, I actually don't know this week. So we'll figure something out between now and Thursday. We'll talk to y'all then. Sports Social Podcast Network.